That didn't even make no sense. Like, it would be nothing else besides water. Like, that didn't even, amen. <clears throat> I was reminded of that this morning. <clears throat> amen. I'm here to worship the Lord this morning. And <clears throat> in, 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 in for that matter, we could go home and say it was good to be in the house of God. We could go home right now and say, hey, God was good. <clears throat> but we're here to worship the Lord this morning, and we think to ourselves, and let me propose the question to you this morning, how do we do that? <clears throat> how do we worship the Lord this morning? You can't do it by thinking of yourself walking in the door. Because if that were the case, um, we'd still be in our bed um, doing everything we could to watch service online to make ourselves feel better. Not thinking about anybody else, not thinking about my children or the fellow church members or, or whatnot or, or, or somebody lost that might come in to hear the gospel. When we think about ourselves, we're not really worshiping the Lord. <clears throat> Are we here this morning to have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ? To, to, to worship the God in, 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 in songs and singing of songs and hymns? through offering even, through the preaching of the word. Or are we literally just thinking about how long till we get done so I can go home? <clears throat> the problem is, and I say this gently and, and, and politely as I can, oftentimes that happens. I've been there. Because so oftentimes, we, just like, like on social media, we want everybody to think how spiritual we are all the time. We're always on the spiritual high. And we can't be honest with anybody because they've got to think that we're the best. But if we were honest with ourselves, hey, we're not always on. Are we praying for our church family? Or do we have no idea what's going on in the lives of the people we worship with? John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus said, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the, uh, with the, shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I like that how it says, He said true worshipers. That was Jesus that said that. Boy, we could cross-reference and look at verses that talk about true Israel, true worshipers, true Israel. Not everybody that calls themselves a Christian is a Christian. Not everybody that is singing a worship song is worshiping. Amen. We can be as backslidden as backslidden can be and look the part, wear the tie, wear the shoes. But it seems like we forget that the unseen spirit world affects the physical world. And such, and such that the physical world affects the spirit world. Amen. Brother John Chan, would you open this message in a word of prayer, sir?
it's easy to say that the spirit world uh, affects the physical world. I mean, you look at the children of Israel at the Red Sea. Um, God really intervened big time. It's easy to point to things like that. Uh, you look at Moses in the basket. God intervened there. Uh, Daniel in the lion's den. You think, you think God didn't intervene and close the mouths of the lions? Absolutely. The spirit world affects the physical world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, in the fiery flames. Man, the fourth man in the fire. Woo! The spirit world affects the physical world. That's, that's, that's not really a question. How about the day we became a new creation, the day we accepted Christ into our hearts? Hey, the spirit world affects the physical world. And, and, and if there's not a change in your life uh, since the day that you got saved, I question your salvation. And I am not in the camp that goes around saying, I don't think you're saved and I don't think you're saved. That's not our place to do it. But I'll say this, and I think I've said it several times in the past two years since I've become pastor and I've had to handle situations in different ways and I see things from a different perspective. I know way more than I ever wanted to know in my entire life, I promise you. But I do question people's salvation more than I ever have. Just naturally. By your fruit, you shall know them. You say that pastor was talking about Preachers, absolutely, and the principle still applies to everyone. But the physical also affects the spiritual. Thank God we're two or more gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. God's here this morning. Can I point out real quick, man, i got to quit chasing rabbits, but can I point out real quick, just because there's a group of believers here for church doesn't mean that God's here. If everybody in here just came in here with the mindset of as soon as I can get out of here, put my time in, I'd say, do my little ritual things and say my ritual things and get out of here, let's go. God's not in the building. I thank God that there's at least two. He's here. Amen. I know if my heart's right, we just need one more. Amen. Jess? Huh? Jeff? Tony? <laughs> Rob? Amen. Amen. When we worship and sing together, we sing songs with pure hearts. The physical affects the spiritual. When we pray and we submit our lives to him, he entreats for us. He entreats for us spiritually, but also physically. I was talking about this with a, I went and picked up Noah at that festival last night. I was talking with a, a Christian buddy of mine. And, uh, I mean, I, I, I always love talking about it. <clears throat> when, when Elijah and his apprentice saw the, all the host of angels all around, wasn't it like flaming chariots, too? <laughs> all around. Um, there's there's all, all of a sudden more of us than there are of them. Because of his faith, God opened up their eyes Physically, amen. The spiritual affects the physical, and the physical affects the spiritual. God did not create Adam and Eve and just say, there you go. I'll say in uh, uh, 6,000 years or whatever. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. So if God isn't the one that's changed, and we come into the house of God with a not pure heart, and we're not worshiping in spirit and in truth, if God's never changed, then what's changed? We have. And if we could grasp that, man, this idea that God's going to mold to us, oh, oh, American, we need to quit thinking that God's the God of the Old Testament, and here we are in the New Testament, or, 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 or yeah, that was the God in the 1500s, you know, uh, uh, but here we are in 2022. Well, I know that's preaching like they used to do in the early 1900s. Uh, that's late 1800s. That's, that's Spurgeon type preaching. That's a mentality how the old preachers used to preach. This is 2022 now. Wait a minute. If God's never changed, and He never will change then what's changed if we're looking for something besides what the old-time preachers used to preach? We've changed. We're so indoctrinated in a culture that... I, I would venture to say Americans know more about Friends, the TV show from the 90s, than, than, than can even say the books of the Bible. I don't know where that came from. Amen. <laughs> Turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. Maybe I should just stick to my notes, amen. 1 Chronicles 14, verse 8. Last week we touched on a very a small part of the story. And, and sometimes, let me tell you, let me encourage you to go home and study the things that we preach. You'll understand it far more than I can ever explain it in 30 minutes. Because it was just a small, bro, Tony, it was hard. It was hard to keep it low and... And I think I went longer, too. I think Rachel said it was like 36 or 37 minutes. Amen. I mean, I'll make up for that today. I'll go like 45, make up for my time. Didn't get too many laughs on that, bro, Jim. I better get back into the message. Amen. Well, we saw a very small part of the story where a little shepherd boy named David was anointed by the prophet Samuel through the uh, 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 provident, providential uh, uh, um, uh, direction from God. Amen. And, 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 and I want to preach that again just for remembrance. But, but now let's fast forward to when David is officially made, he's officially been made king. And now the people are looking to him what to do. Anybody that's ever been in an authority position can relate to this, whether it's a pastor or a father in a home or a mother to her children, uh, a position at work. When you're in a place of authority, now you're going to have, there's situations that's going to arise. You've got to make a decision. What are you going to do? <laughs> Things change. Uh, I, I'll just say it real quick. Um, it was brought to my attention that there's a bluegrass group that, that's pretty clean. And they'll come to your church and they'll come in for a love offering as long as they're playing in the area. I said, here's the problem with that. I said, I like the group that you're talking about. I'll, I'll go hear them. I really like them. I said, but here's the problem with it. Yeah, they're clean in what they're saying, but like they do sing about uh, the old Mountain Dew and a few of their songs. 
They spend almost all of their Sundays traveling home, so none of them are in church. Think about it. Everywhere where they're playing, there's drinking and smoking. So I'm going to let them sing about drinking and smoking and then come behind the, uh, on, the, on the platform in the house of God? I don't think so. I don't think so. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul or the, uh, saying, all right, uh, um, all right, uh, you just, who'd you sing? Let, let, let me have the sing group and let me talk to you guys. Okay, um, who, where'd you sing last night? Okay, you was in Rome. Okay, so the crowd that you were singing at to last night that was drinking and smoking and you're singing about songs that they like to hear was the same crowd that beat me, same crowd that denied Jesus. But yet, but, but, but yet instead of just driving home for money, you'll come sing at the house of God. Let me get off that rabbit. I just out of my mind. I, what, what my point is, I had a Christian that just, just didn't agree with me, thought I was being a legalistic uh, stick in the mud. I, I, just, couldn't, I just couldn't believe the... The thought process that's happening. That's insanity. But here's David now. All of a sudden, and my, my point is, I want, and I wanted to say it, but I couldn't. I want to say, hey, when you're pastor and you stand before God at what you bring into the church house, maybe, things will th- maybe you'll take things a little more seriously what happens. That's why it's good when we get plugged in the church and like pretty much everybody in here does something in the church and is plugged in. Because the moment you get plugged in, all of a sudden you realize, oh, my part, oh, man, they're watching me. Oh, these, I'm going to disappoint them kids if I, oh, man, I'm going to let so-and-so down if I don't, right? All of a sudden there's a little bit of responsibility, and all of a sudden our perspective changes to, hey, it does matter. Rachel was our bass player. She used to always think the bass didn't matter, the bass didn't matter, the bass didn't matter. And, 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 and we would have this conversation so many times. I don't want to say we would argue because, uh, no. We're too spiritual for that. Until she became the guitar player. All of a sudden, she's like, oh, we have to have a bass. Oh, it won't sound good without a bass. We've got to have a bass. Our perspective changes, amen, the more that we're plugged in. No offense to bass players. They're just the easiest of all. Amen. God bless them, everyone. Here's David. He's, he's just now, uh, every, the, Israel's looking up to him. This is really the first issue that he has in in, uh, as being king. First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8. And when the Philistines heard that David was anointed king over all Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek David. And David heard of it and went out against them. Can I just say the Philistines didn't come out to have tea with them? They weren't coming out to say, oh, congratulations. Uh, no, they're causing problems. The Philistines wanted to make their mark, say, hey, he's the king, that young boy. Let's intimidate him right out of the gate and we'll scare him. The devil's not stupid. Verse 9, And the Philistines came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. I didn't put it in my notes here. I should have, but uh, that's the valley of the giants. I'm sure it's an intimidating valley to be in. Verse 10, And David inquired of God, saying, uh, Shall I go up against the Philistines? And, and, and will thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto him, Go up, for I will deliver them into thine hand. So they came up to baal Perazim. And David smote them there. And David said, God hath broken in upon mine enemies, mine hand, like the breaking forth of waters. Therefore they called the name of that place uh, Baal Perazim. I hope I'm saying it right. I looked it up and it means possessor or master of breaches. Not breaches, but breaches. I thought, okay, okay. I said, I think I understand that. He's a master of breaches. And then I was trying to soak it in, reading my 
Webster's 1828 Dictionary. Then I looked down underneath that, and it made it all clear when I, I copy and paste it. It, 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 it defines the definition. It says, a gap in the wall, a, a barrier or defense, especially one made by an attacking army. They called that place the place of uh, 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 the master of breaches. Amen. That's pretty awesome. David didn't run from adversity. Christians today don't have much of a backbone as a whole. As a whole. uh, In America, across the world, uh, as a whole. We would rather uh, deal with sin than to take care of the problem. Spiritually, through the word of God. As a pastor, I am constantly, constantly fighting to protect the flock of God, I, I promise you. I am constantly dealing with issues that the adversary, our adversary, the devil, would love to see us fail at and, and cause dissension in the house of God constantly. Constantly. I'm going to have a full head of gray hair before you know it. Amen. Hope Rachel likes it. David didn't run from adversities. More specifically, David went directly to God when he had a problem. Man, I could walk home. We could give an invitation right now and go home. I mean, if we could just cement that, if I could cement that in my life and live it and sing it and dream it and think about it and preach it, boy, wouldn't that be great if we could all do the same. Amen. Back in those days, God... Before God gave his completed word in written form, God would speak through prophets and judges. And God would, and David clearly immediately sought for the Lord's counsel. Can I ask you this morning, Christian, where do you go when you have a problem? When, you, when something arises, what's your first thing that you do? One, you complain about it. Can we just be real just for a moment? Can, can we just not put ourselves on the social media platform and be honest with ourselves? We complain about it. Step two, we complain some more. Step three, we get bitter. Step four, we don't let the bitterness go. Boy, if we just make step one, just go directly to God. You say, well, I don't have prophets and judges. Amen. God gave, they had the scriptures back then, but God gave us a complete word of God right here. You know what's great about the word of God? Bear with me now. It was, I mean, God blessed the Old, Old Testament uh, uh, People, <laughs> especially his people, <clears throat> in so many awesome ways. I mean, so many awesome miracles they saw. And, and how awesome it would be to be like, hey, Samuel, what should I do in this situation? Go ask God for me. Yeah. Man, to get something specific for your life that God would speak through the man of God. Man, this is, this is what I want you to do. How awesome that would be. Amen. But do you realize how much more greater this is, how much more of a blessing it is, that God gave us everything that we need to know, not just for our past, but for our present and for our future? I don't have to go to find Samuel to find out what I should do with my work situation or what's happening at church because the preacher won't quit wearing whatever color tie that is. But no matter what situation, I can go to the Word of God. You say, but, I, but, but it just doesn't make any sense. So quit just opening and reading to a random spot and giving up after three minutes. Can we be real for a minute? But actually study the word of God 
and, and figure out, hey, what principles can I apply to my life, Amen. to this situation? All of a sudden, you'll see God start directing in your life and things will happen. Amen. Amen. Woo, we could preach on that for quite a while. <clears throat> Amen. David went directly to God for direction. Amen. Amen. Can we turn 2 Peter 1, 19? 2 Peter 1, 19. 2 Peter 1, 19. Keep your place in 1 Chronicles. We're going back there. 1 Peter 1, 19. If I was a wiser man, if I had my gray hair already, I already told you to turn there. I got months before that happens. Amen. First, Second Peter 1.19. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Man, if we could just... I, I, I had a, a charismatic man on Saturday at the flea market letting me know. That God speaks to him directly about this and the visions that he was given. I didn't point it out, but I wanted to because as he's telling me, I'm thinking every story you're telling me about God, the visions God gave you lifts you up. In his visions, God asked him for advice. Oh, it must be so great to be so spiritual. No, no, no. The same word here. It's of no private interpretation not for this denomination or that denomination. There's literally only one truth. One truth. You say, well, which denomination is true? Whichever denomination follows the scriptures the closest. Period. You say, which one is that? How about you study it and find out for yourself? Wouldn't that be amazing? For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Back to our text, First Chronicles 14, 12. Let me move on. The more I preach, the more I find that it's hard to not shoot all the rabbits that you see. Amen. First Chronicles chapter 14, verse 12. And when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment, and they were burned with fire. Now, hold on just a moment here. I've read this passage um, um, probably 15 times alone. There's a sister passage in 1st or 2nd Samuel that's identical, telling the same story, almost word for word. And I've read this over and over and over again. When where it says in... And when they had left their gods there, David gave a commandment and they were burned with fire. Now, that means one of two things. <clears throat> Philistines come out, try to intimidate David. David asks God for direction. Um, God says, yep, I'll smite him. Go out there. David kills him. And then it says, and then left their gods there. So it means one of two things. Either when they killed him, for some reason they had a bunch of idols with them. And, and with the dead bodies, there were, there were a bunch of idols in the valley of Rephaim, the valley of the giants. Or it means that I tend to think that, that David smote them, that was done, and then they came out and put out their idols as a barrier of a defense or some spiritual defense. Either way, it doesn't matter. I tend to lean that way. But at the end of the day, there's idols in the valley. 
And David gave the commandment and said, hey, burn them all. Woo! To be like David. So David gives the commandment, they burn them. I bet bet they burn good, too. Where am I? Verse 13. And the Philistines yet again spread themselves abroad in the valley. Therefore David inquired again of God, and God said unto him, Go not up after them, turn away from them, and come up over them against the mulberry trees. Can you imagine the thought process for David? David just wiped them out. He just proved to Israel and the Philistines, hey, we got this. We can beat you. So David burns their idols. They come up again in the valley. They spread themselves out. You know what they're doing. They're trying to be like the British Army and spread themselves. You know, look how tough we are. Stand here and get shot in straight lines, right? That's why Mel Gibson was able to kill them all, right, in history. (laughs) Uh, Amen. I got to filter more. Amen. They're trying to intimidate David. And David's thinking, no doubt, we can kill him. But instead of thinking with his stinking flesh, because he knows he can beat him, he goes to God again. Why did he go to God again? Because he had a good understanding that it wasn't just David that beat him in the first place, but it was God helping him. Boy, we do that so often. We have a victory in our life, and we're like, I got this. I'm the best pastor in Romulus. I'm going to nail this. And then we do something on our own thinking that, oh, we got it. God says, no, son. Um, that, that was all me. Uh, you were there for the ride because you were obedient that one time. <laughs> right? So David inquires of the Lord, but then, but then God tells David, yeah, don't go up. Actually turn away from them. Which is probably startling to David. I'm imagining but then God says, hey, go over behind the mulberry trees. What's that? Behind the mulberry trees. Well, why would God tell David to go behind the mulberry trees? Oh. You know, it, it sounds easy as we read it because we're getting a bird's eye view. It sounds really easy. Yeah, David, go behind the mulberry trees. That's what God said. But in our lives, we don't go behind the mulberry trees. We say, God, that sounds ridiculous. I'm not going to do that. That's if we took the time to heed his word, to, to look at it, right? But I'll eat. So, also, so one, you have a Christian that doesn't even look at the word of God for direction. Then you have the Christian that looks at the word of God and says, no, that sounds silly. I, I got a better way. After all, it's 2022. We're, we're a lot smarter now. But really, from the same perspective, did God need David to go to a certain place for God to have the power to kill the Philistines? Come on. Like, really. God was telling David, it wasn't for God's, uh, oh, I'm glad David was there because I couldn't have killed him without him. It was literally to show David obedience. You know that, that, that I'll give my uh, children a job to do? Well, sometimes, now they, take, now they do jobs that I actually, like, need. <laughs> But oftentimes, from little kids, Roman's age, Adeline's age, Ava, Wyatt, give them jobs to do. I don't need them to do the job. It's for obedience. It's training them, teaching them. Now they're putting their trust in me. Hey, do that, and this is going to be the reward or whatever. I won't spank you. That's a good reward. Amen. 
That's what's happening here. Amen. So even though it seems crazy, David goes to the mulberry trees just like God told him to. And by the way, by the way, it's mulberry trees. Um, you say, well, why would you even, why would you even say otherwise? Because the NIV says poplar trees. The ESV says balsam trees. Why would you say anything besides mulberry if that's what the Word of God says? So just out of curiosity, I went back to the Hebrew. So I'll, look, I believe the King James 100% is the perfect Word of God, not one comma, period, colon, wrong with it. End of story. And, and there's verses like John 3.16, that's enough for me. But you know what? I think it's good to do some studying because I want to understand, well, why on earth could somebody come up with anything else than what the Word of God says? Right. So I'm trying to understand this. So I looked at back with the Hebrew because I thought, well, maybe they're trying to uh, pull something, some derivative from the Greek or the Hebrew, amen. So I looked it up where it says mulberry trees, and you can do this yourself. You can do this yourself. I skipped ahead in my notes, so bear with me. It throws me off a little bit. Um, mulberry trees, directly, that, that word that said mulberry trees in your Bible, directly translated from the Hebrew is baka. You know what that means in Hebrew? Not balsam, not poplar. It means mulberry trees. What's that tell us? The Word of God is the perfect Word of God. King James is the perfect Word of God. Why would we do anything else? Why would we look to anything else? You say, well, that studying was a waste of time. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Next time you're having a conversation with somebody about a different version of the Bible, that's just another little bullet you can put in your ammo. Amen. <clears throat> Man, where was I? I jumped way ahead. Um, Amen. Jump to uh, verse 15, 1 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 15. And it shall be when thou shalt hear a sound of going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt go out to battle. For God has gone forth, from, uh, forth before thee to smite the host of the Philistines. I was really interested in the sound of going. I'll, what's that sound like? I want to know what that sounds like. So I... I Driving down the road, I listened to some messages, and they said, <clears throat> uh, probably three out of the four preachers I listened to, because I think I listened to four, I think it's three out of four, said that, well, that was wind at the tops of the mulberry trees. And some of them would say poplar trees. Some of them would say, whatever the other, balsam trees. They'd say that was the sound of wind. No, my Bible didn't say it was the sound of wind. It was the sound of going. So I was intrigued at that, and I <clears throat> looked at some commentaries just to think, well, you know, what am I missing? I couldn't find another place in the Bible where it was talking about the specific sound of going. <clears throat> you know what these commentaries were saying? Some of them, there's a sound of wind like the Holy Ghost, like the day of Pentecost. No, no, no. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, man, and it came down, and it was an amazing day. But, but how did the Holy Spirit come down? By the sound of what? A mighty rushing wind. Did God say, hey, when you hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind at the tops of the trees, then go forth to battle because you know I'm with you. He didn't say that. He said a sound of going. 
So is our word of God perfect or not? It's perfect. So that means if, it, if our King James Bible says the sound of going, well, by golly, it's sound of going. Amen. So I did the same thing. Direct, that, go, that word going directly translated from the Hebrew is tisada, if I'm saying it right. You know what that means? Directly translated from the Hebrew. This is awesome, Brother Tony. It means a march. Concretely, an ornamental ankle chain going, going. Ornament of the legs. The sound of going is like the sound of a march. Just like it sounds, the sound of going, like a march. What do you hear with a march? You hear the stomping of feet, whether they're together or not, I don't know. You hear swords in their sheaths moving up and down. You, you might hear some men chanting or talking or shouting. You're going to hear swords uh, 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 clinking. You're going to hear the, the shift of arrows up and down and the, uh, what's it called, Brother Jim? The, um, the quiver, amen. The sound of going is the sound of marching. When David and his men obeyed the word of the Lord, even though it seemed like a silly thing for God to ask them to do, they heard the host of what I believe was a host of angels marching above them. Or at least God made it sound that way. The sound of marching. Directly above their heads, the sound of an angelic host going forth to battle. David and his men would have never experienced that awesome sound if they decided to do things their own way. And can I tell you this morning, if I could hit home one point of all, Christians live their lives with zero victory in their lives. Zero victories. Because they never put themselves under the obedience of an almighty God to go over to the ridiculous mulberry trees. So there's zero victory. You know what happens when you have zero victory? You get depressed. You stay in bitterness. You do nothing for the cause of Christ. And who's happy and who gets the victory? Our adversary. Spent a whole lifetime missing out on awesome victories that were waiting for him the whole time. They didn't seek out God's direction. Or if they sought it out, they said, nah, got a better way. Say, what are you getting at, Pastor? Turn to Galatians 5.16, and we'll start bringing this to a close. Galatians 5.16. If you're saved this morning, you are a new creature in Christ. You are spiritually alive while still in this physical flesh. That's just what it is. We're a new creature, man. Galatians 5.16. This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and you should not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the spirit, ye are not under the law. We have extensively, the last two Wednesdays, talked about this very verse we've been going through, Galatians. The last two Wednesdays, we talked about the law. This was not the law, the Levitical law. He's referring to the law of the flesh. If we can't rightly divide that, we're going to have a lot of dispensational confusion and thinking that now all of a sudden there's five different Gospels. 
2 Corinthians 5, 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Brother Tony was given some great illustrations this morning. And to add to the wonderful illustrations <clears throat> with the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd, did you know so often that the, a good shepherd will keep grain in his hand? Right. Just right here, right, right close next to him. Why? So that the shepherd, or the, the sheep that gets closest is going to get some extra food, some extra treats. There's sheep that couldn't care less about getting closer to the Lord, or closer to the shepherd, so they're not going to get that extra, extra blessings. Amen. I don't think I need to spell that out any clearer. I want to get close to the Lord. I want some extra special blessings. Amen. I like to eat. It shows. How can we walk by faith, not by sight? you like David. Just obey the word of God. Go, go behind the mulberry trees. When God says go behind the mulberry trees, it's really not that hard. What makes it so hard is we're so, we're so in tune, in custom, in, 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 in practiced, and learned in this flesh stubbornly, habitually, that nope, it's got to be my way. Nope, I'm addicted to this. I'm not going to leave it. Nope, I'm addicted to TV. No, I'm addicted to whatever. So all of a sudden, the mulberry trees just sound so ridiculous. We just we just stop walking in the flesh and start walking in the spirit. Let's think about it, dream about it, tell people about it. Amen. We work with souls every day that could be very well going to hell, but yet we don't care. We don't care because we don't have much fervency in our hearts. Why? Because we've never trusted God to get behind the mulberry trees because there's no victory in our lives. You know, a lot of people don't even want to go to church because it's so boring. It's such a dull place. They've never seen God do anything in the church house. Why would I want to go there? We, we have family members that could very well be going to hell. When we leave the church house this morning, just a few minutes. Can I ask you, are you done with God for another six days? Or are you going to try to get close to him? Are you going to get out your Bible and say, Lord, please direct my path? It's a pretty pathetic state of mind that there's many people that claim to be Bible-believing, born-again Christians that spend zero time seeking God's direction. Zero. We went to the flea market the other day. It wasn't just physical people telling other physical people about our church. There was a spiritual warfare that was going on. You say, well, what are you talking about? Because there were souls at stake. Amen. If our eyes could have been opened up like Elijah and so many others, we would have seen spiritual warfare. Back to our text and let's close. First Chronicles 14.6. I'm trying to get the point across that our physical actions do affect our spiritual outcomes. Amen. I'm telling you, it does. First Chronicles 14.16. David therefore did as God commanded him and they smote uh, the host of the Philistines from Gibeon, even to Gazer, and the fame of David went out into all lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him upon all nations. David put his trust and obedience to God and get, let God lift him up. Man wants to, I want to be lifted up. I want this position. I want to do that. I want to be there. So I, can be, I don't want that position where it don't get all the accolades. I, 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 nah, I don't want to do that. I want to do the one where everybody sees me. We need to be like David, let God lift him up. 
David knew what he was talking about when he penned the words, Psalms 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Man, we serve a good God, don't we? Why don't we, why don't, Christian, why don't we find the mulberry trees that God wants us to go to and just be obedient to them? You say, how do I do that? Study the word of God and ask for direction. If you're a born-again believer, you have the Holy Spirit within you right now. He will guide you into what truth? All truth. Amen. Let's close in a word of prayer. Thank you, God, for your word. Lord, I pray that you would move in the hearts of your people during this invitation.